Hello and welcome to Everyday People, Everyday Minds, a listener-supported program. I am your host, Josh Woods. Joining us on the show today is Tara Scabella. Tara is a former contestant on Discovery Channel's Naked and Afraid. She'll be joining us today to talk about her experience being on the show and in personal enlightenment. Hello. Hello. Okay. Hey, we got it working. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Is it okay now? It is a little bit. I, I heard that sentence. Um, and if for some reason it's just not going to work, um, then we can reschedule for another time and I can make sure I'm hooked into Wi-Fi. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and give this a try and see what happens. Okay. So far, so far I'm hearing you pretty good. And so long as you're still hearing me pretty good, we're, we should be all right. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. Wonderful. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? My name's Tara Scubella, and let's see, I live in Ure, Colorado, so on the west slope of Colorado, and I live in a tiny house. I have no running water for about five to six months during the year, so I pretty much live off-grid, and I poop in a bucket. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have indoor plumbing. Um, <laughs> And I live about 900 feet above town, so um, at a much higher elevation than the town of Ure, and I absolutely love it here. I love living on 1,800 acres. I'm a caretaker for a property, and um, the solitude is really nice, and I'm really grateful to be in this spot. That's it. Sounds Sounds like you've got an awesome little perch there outside town. I do. Definitely a bird's eye view on a cliff. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And how long have you been out there? I've been out here since May of 2016. No, 17. May 2017, May 1st. So going on two years. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Now, curiosity strikes. How did you wind up in a, a, how did you wind up a caretaker of 1,800 square acres? Yes. How does that happen? <laughs> it's not something you hear every day. <laughs> no, most people don't get that opportunity. <laughs> right. Um, I was living a little bit nomadically for a while in about 2015, um, living out of my out of my car in 2016. I did live in Boulder for a little while, and. Boulder's a great community, but the city does not run in my blood, and the (laughs) vibration of a city is really hard on me. So um, prior to that, I was living in central Colorado, Park County, um, on acreage with a house um, in that area. So that's what I'm used to, and I grew up in a rural community, Um, and my, my partner worked on this property here before I met him, and... It was a seasonal position, and then the owner um, invited him to live here year-round, and I'm the, I get the lucky benefit of being the partner for the <laughs> property manager. <laughs> so well, outstanding. That's why I'm here. <laughs> well, it sounds like an awesome deal to stumble into. It is. We're so and, grateful. <laughs> uh, yeah, and how, how befitting for uh, someone in a, a nomadic. Yes. So... <laughs> so Curiosity strikes me because I've actually lived a very similar situation, uh, going from uh, uh, living up in various campgrounds up here in northern Colorado, uh, especially around Meeker, 
uh, I, I spent uh, 2015 and part of 2016 just camping around up in that area. So it's it's fun to cross paths with someone else that's been on that journey. Um, so what what initially sparked that? To live in the wilderness or yeah to to be more nomadic instead of ah. a more modern concept of being tied down to a brick and mortar house yes so i lived in a brick and mortar houses um for all my life um except for maybe a year um maybe about eight months i lived in my car in my younger adult life um and i was married for some time and we would actually build a brand new house beautiful custom work and um, we did the work ourselves um, and then we would sell it and move into another house sell it and move into another house and I have ADHD so I love a new challenge I love differences I love moving um, and I always wanted to live in a tiny house and it just didn't really fit our lifestyle I also have a daughter um, and even though in those living situations, I lived on acreage and had chickens and nearly off grid and heated my house with wood. Um, I still craved for something smaller, um, like a little home base instead of a big, bigger home base. Right. And, um, and I love just being in connection with nature. It's so important to me. Um, and as I get older, the, the fancy house, the amenities that come with the house just aren't important to me anymore. I like being down to the basics, a very simple life. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. So it sounds like you've pretty much been an outdoors person pretty much all your life. And that's just where kind of your solace is. It is 100%. Yeah. So um, when we were, uh, as we were texting over the last couple of days, um, you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about uh, uh, your awakening, but I think if, before we get into uh, the events of your awakening, uh, what was your life uh, prior to that? Oh, yes. I feel like I've lived this incredible full life as I look back through my childhood to teenage years to early adult life. And um. First of all, when I was born, my mother gave me this incredible name, Tara, um, which can mean Earth Hill Mound. And I've noticed that I've really grown into my name over the span of my life. And I've always been connected to the outdoors, adventurous. Um, and after graduating from high school and entering college, my major in college ended up being earth science education. So um, I got a degree in teaching earth science and geology in middle school and high school. And, and then that developed into um, learning that public school is not a place where I like to share my gifts and to teach. And so I moved more into the outdoor field. So outdoor guiding, wilderness therapy, um, things like that. And then I went from working outside and I got married and became a mom and my, my energy kind of shifted toward this. And I like to think of myself at this time in my life, in my thirties, my kind of mid thirties, um, like the mad scientist behind the computer and an office, like typing away reports. <laughs> <things>. <laughs> 
Um, and moving into like this management and I was even a director for a boys and girls club into the indoors. And it was a time in my life. I, I look back and I'm like, what, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really enjoy serving people and more of the indoor jobs had to do with social services and supporting families, um, and kids and programs and community, which is absolutely wonderful. And I really did like it. Um, but I kind of began this, this journey of losing a sense of myself. And that's kind of where my life was before my, my awakening. <laughs> I mean, when you have ADHD and you're free and you're moving outside and then you are expected to sit in a cubicle at a computer all day, you start to die inside. Oh, I understand. <laughs> yeah, when you've got yes. that, when you've got that fresh air in your lungs and there's spirit of adventure in your blood, and you are sitting there behind a computer screen in a cubicle, it's that, it's that slow, painful death, isn't it? It is, and it builds up over time. At least for me, it did a little bit each year, just like this sense of loss over maybe a span. And it really wasn't that long for me. It seemed like it was forever, but about six to seven years. Yeah. Right. Um, as we experience those uh, cognitive dissonances, it can really just slow down the perception of time and make it seem you know, t- near twice as much as what it should be. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, so I have to admit, uh, prior to uh, prior to you reaching out to my uh, post, there, I really did not know anything about Naked and Afraid, and I uh, took me a couple of days to actually look into it and realize that this is a uh, a competition, a survivalist show, and with a very interesting premise. Uh, how so? How would you best describe to someone who has not seen Naked and Afraid what it is? Yes, um, Naked and Afraid is a survival show. Um, it is a, it's a competition, but a competition with yourself on if you can make it through or if you decide to tap out or in, ex, um, in some situations, if you're severely hurt, they will pull you out of the challenge. But it's one man, one woman, no clothes, no food, no water, surviving oh, wow. for, <laughs> for 21 days with three, usually it's three tools. And it is a true survival show in the means that they're not giving you food behind the scenes. At least for me, they weren't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's considered a docudrama and it's aired on the Discovery Channel. Um, it's not considered reality TV so much but it's under the, the category of docudrama. And by the, the documentation part, you do your own thing. They have very little interaction and the cameras follow you. And then the production and discovery crew will formulate this story of 600 to 1,000 film hours down to 46 minutes and what they think the viewers would like to see. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, and how long are you out there for? Like, 21 I mean, days. Uh, 21 days. Okay, wow. That's, <laughs> and obviously they're not having you do this in the middle of winter, so. <laughs> well, oh. um. <laughs> oh, or are they? <laughs> it is filmed around the world and 
So a new season just began a few weeks ago, and the kickoff to the season uh, were two survivalists that filmed in Alaska um, in their challenge. And there have been not as cold, but some um, cool areas, which really does affect you because you don't have any clothes. And so hypothermia is a huge concern. Um, and I do want to correct myself. The premise was one man, one woman, but this season they also started pairing same genders um, and not just two people, three people. So that's really exciting news if awesome. you're into the show. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I just found out that it's on Hulu, so I'm definitely going to be ch- uh, catching up on it because it's a very interesting premise. I've, uh, I've been a fan of uh, shows like um, Survivor Man and Man vs. Wild and uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix just came out with this new one, uh, You vs. Wild, uh, which is a pretty interesting interactive uh, uh, concept of a survivalist show. But uh, uh, so, given my ignorance, uh, where was your episode recorded? Like, where in the world were you? So, I was in Panama, and my location was in the Pearl Islands on a, a privately owned island called Isla San Jose. Um, There was another challenge that was filmed there um, as well. So I believe that there's two to date that were filmed on the island. Um, And I was filmed inland, so in a jungle setting. I wasn't on on the beautiful beach. (laughs) I was right in the middle (laughs) of the island. And when they pick your location, they give you boundaries, boundaries. And sometimes it's a very small boundary that you're sequestered to. um, And you can't leave that area due to... Um, perhaps danger, um, there might be something that would hinder with the filming a little ways away. So you're given a very strict area to stay in. Right. Okay. Yeah. I actually, um, uh, just looking at a few pictures of, uh, Isla San Jose, it's not much of an Island, is it? It's not. And, but the really cool thing about this Island is that it's pretty much natural a lot of the islands that are super touristy they've brought in other plants that have flourished on the island but not so much san jose they try and keep it um, very natural and pristine um there is one small resort there but that's it yeah it does look very small from what i'm seeing here this takes up that little corner of the tip of the island there (laughs) so so how how intense was this for you? I mean, here you are definitely closer to the equator in a very humid climate. Uh, what is, what's the intensity level of all this that you're going through? It was intense at times um, coming from a cooler, arid climate, the high country of Colorado. Um, right. <laughs> wow. And I was living in Park County near um, between Buena Vista and Fairplay, Colorado. The heat was really hard for me um, during the day and then at night, not so much um, the humidity. And when you think about being in a situation like that, you think, oh, my gosh, I could never do that. Um, But really, I'm very comfortable in a lot of different environments. Um, I have lived in Florida before. I've experienced the jungle in other countries. But... I don't know, just for me, it's very easy to surrender to the environment. Um, And my experience might be a little different um, because I really feel like when I'm in nature, I'm able to drop more into the moment 
to moment time. And when you're really in a survival experience, your, your brain starts to shift and you take on this, this primal sense, right? Our primal sense. And we hear a lot about primal energy. Um, but what I experienced was very, very real. Your priorities change into more survival mode. Do I have water? Do I have food? Do I have shelter? Am I going to be warm? Um, and everything externally disappears. At least that was my experience. That's not everybody's experience going into this challenge. Um, but I wasn't there to be on TV. Um, m- most of us aren't famous afterwards. We do this because we want to test our skills. We really want to try and see if we can apply what we've learned in whatever we learned as children, teenagers, and young adults to see if we can apply these survival skills to the test. Um, so yes, intense but sometimes, and but most of the time not. Yeah. That, you know, just trying to... Uh, Imagine what it's like going from 9,000 feet of elevation where there's practically a very thin layer of you know, atmosphere and oxygen present to dropping down to sea level and you know, being maybe 100, 200 feet above. That's got to be just, especially for a, for a naturalist, someone like yourself who loves just being outdoors and immersed in uh, nature, that's just got to be like, almost intoxicating just taking that first, uh, that first breath of, uh, oxygen rich air. I guess so. Um, but I travel a lot down to sea level and come back up to Colorado. So I feel like my body has adapted to that. And I used to live in Florida. Um, I think when, whenever we travel, anybody that lives at a higher elevation, you can notice a little bit of difference at first. Um, But I will say that one of the things that I really noticed as far as like differences in environment, um, being in a jungle and looking through my eyes a little bit differently, like, okay, this is going to be my home and I need to make this work versus I'm a tourist or I'm going to go on a hike for a couple of days. It's like, no, I'm going to be living here and whatever I see needs to be my resource. <laughs> How am I going to right. these? <laughs> and it was the, <laughs> the green, the color green. Like it's so incredibly green when you're deep in a jungle, um, like off of a trail, off of a beaten path. And the noises that, that you hear, those primal instincts that come out, like you are in tune to the slightest movement or noise around you. <laughs> How does that compare to being in the mountains of Colorado and or uh, in the you know, pine forests? Yes, um, so much different, and I think a lot of it has to do not only with the environment but the mindset. So before Naked and Afraid, hiking the Colorado Trail, um, working in the wilderness therapy field, outdoor guiding my own excursions, whatever it was I did, which was a lot. I had over 600 hours or um, nights under the stars before Naked and Afraid. But when I was immersed in nature before, I was teaching, guiding, leading. So there's a purpose of the day, and it's just not to survive. 
I was in charge or guiding a group of people or, oh, I'm hiking the Colorado Trail. I have a destination to get to to pick up my resupply or to, to end the hike. So it's a different mindset when you're kind of plopped. Okay, this is going to be your home. Here's three tools. Here's your partner, which is usually the opposite of you. <laughs> of course, that docudrama drama piece that they add in there. Um, right. Survive and make it work. It's a lot. It, it's a different mindset. Yeah. I can imagine. Now, uh, so obviously, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with the, uh, some of the wildlife uh, uh, dangers here in Colorado. Uh, were, were there any things that you had to be especially uh, wary of uh, while you're out there? I was so lucky. Um, I was in Africa being surrounded by lions every night, which happens. Um, my predator was hmm, wild hogs. And I can't remember the name of the species on the island, but they didn't come near us. We never even saw them. Um, crocodiles and boas. Um, various types of spiders, but the, I would say my, my biggest challenge as far as other life goes would be the chitra, which is in the sand flea family. And that was my, and I call it a predator because I was pretty much eaten alive by this little <laughs> tiny insect, the size of a pinhead. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Wow, that's so snakes, crocodiles, and these uh, these wild hogs. That's, yes. Oh. Yeah, you know, oh, go ahead. And um, killer bees. Um, they are very they're very prominent on the island, and they actually attacked the production crew when they were scouting out our location. And um, the initial producer had to be flown out flight for life, I think, or soon after. Um, it was a very serious bee attack. Um, all the crew members were bit at least 100 times, up to over 300. Oh, wow. And you're talking the Africanized bees? Yes. Oh, wow. Yep. And That's... they had clothes on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so. Hopefully you and your uh, counterpart there survived a lot better than everyone else. <laughs> No, they, yeah, they, they cleared out the area. They did miss one hive, but luckily we weren't attacked by that hive. Um, and it, it was actually a very dangerous situation. Hey there, it's me, Josh. I hope you're enjoying the program so far. We're going to take a real quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back. And we're back from more of our conversation with Tara Scabella. My episode is called The Swarm. The so Swarm, oh, wow. <laughs> 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 yes. Oh, kind of, kind of befitting, I guess. <laughs> no, um, I, I am curious. What was, uh, what was the emotional impact of this experience for you? Hmm. Wow, so much. Um, I don't even know where to begin on that question. I feel like. There's two pieces to this emotional experience. While I was there, um, I really felt like the sense of peace. I didn't want to leave. I wasn't ready for the challenge to be over with at three weeks. I actually wanted to stay. And I remember 
because they're interviewing me with the cameras and they're like, okay, are you ready to leave? Don't you want to leave? Can you wait for your shower? What are you going to eat? I'm like, I don't want to leave. I'm not ready to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like um, I didn't reach my breaking point and I I didn't want to leave the entire time. I didn't want to go. I I wanted to stay there. Um, And I really felt like I was starting to like embody this, this energy and I didn't know it at the time, but it was a deep sense of grounding and recentering and um, absorbing the healing energy, the healing powers of mother earth while I was there to prepare me for something else, which I know we'll get to in a little bit. Um, And then the other piece is this growth of like self-empowerment. When I entered the challenge, um, I wanted to test my skills and I was actually searching for something in my life. I didn't know what it was. And then I was, I actually didn't apply for the show. They contacted me. Um, How'd that happen? Well, I actually used to write this blog. It's still out and about. Um, It's called restlessgenes.com. So I started writing about having ADHD. And at the time um, they were like pulling teeth to find women Um, who'd be A, willing to take their clothes off, B, (laughs) wanting to survive for 21 days. (laughs) And so they were actually looking for people (laughs) that would fit a certain criteria. (laughs) Now, was your first first impression, is this real or is this a joke? Well, I didn't really watch TV, so I'd never heard of the show. And this was, um, so they outreached to me, I think when season three was airing or season four, um, I was in season five and they said, Hey, or I, I got this phone call. Hey, we found you from your blog, restlessjeans.com. We think you'd be really great for this show called naked and afraid. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> okay. Um, check it out and get back to us. And I did. And, and I was so, I was, I felt so stifled and, um, suppressed and I was looking for something in my life but I didn't know what I was looking for I just knew that I needed change I needed something to happen and I came across this opportunity and it was a fuck yes I was like (laughs) oh my god this is this is right like this is what I want to do right how do you say no to that yeah (laughs) well you don't really get paid for it or anything so you have to be a little on the crazy side (laughs) but (laughs) But it wasn't about being on TV or getting a tiny little bit of compensation. It was about me and personal growth and wanting to challenge myself. And so, um, so I ended up accepting and I went through the application process very, very quickly. And then they cast me and then I was at my challenge. Um, But it like, it paved this way for, for me to recenter and reground myself and to realize that I am a powerful person. We all are. And I almost needed like this crazy one end extreme opportunity with the universe knocking me on my head. Okay. (laughs) You're not (laughs) feeling this within. So we're going to give you this opportunity (laughs) um, that we're going to make it happen for you. So yeah, that's the other emotional piece that I walked away with going in thinking I'm gonna fucking kick ass and here I am I'm gonna like show my like amazing energy but it actually kind of did the opposite I became more humbled um and connected more with my femininity instead of like this wild masculine energy it was this 
softer, um, grounded, fluid, humbled energy when I was done. Sounds like, uh, you know, for for as much fun and and how oriented to your identity that this was, it sounds like it was very um, uh, spiritual uh, and enlightening experience for you. Yes, so much so more than I ever could have imagined. Yes, well, and uh, one of the interesting things uh, in that uh, twenty day, uh, twenty one day uh, period, there's actually a number of. Uh, 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 Tibetan and uh, Hindu meditation practices that are uh, specifically 21-day periods of being cut in civilization and kind of out there in nature and just really centering and uh, really finding uh, finding yourself as you set the ego aside. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're able to do even with the presence of camera crews. Yes. Um, and the reason why they pick 21 days is the rules of three in nature, or I mean, in not nature, the rules of three in survival. So you can go three minutes without oxygen before your body starts to begin to shut down in various places. You can go three days without water before the dehydration sets in um, and your body starts to break down and then three weeks without food. So they purposely and very mindfully set aside that 21 days because if there's ever somebody who cannot eat a single bite within that 21 days, technically they can still survive and be okay before their body starts to shut down. Right. Yeah. Now, since this was a a televised show, um, and obviously they're not recording uh, live episodes, how difficult was it to once you were done to not be able to talk about the show and what you had just done and that, uh, that whole experience? Yeah. Very little people knew um, what I was going to do beforehand. And when I came back, you know, one of the, this kind of ties into that emotional piece too, that I had never experienced before. I had lost so much weight. I was under a hundred pounds when I was finished and I went in, I think about 116 or 18 pounds. Um, and I looked very malnourished. Um, and I remember walking through the airport in Panama city to fly back. And even though I was feeling great inside, um, because my body had fully detoxed from all the crap that we put in it. Or even if you're a very mindful eater, there's still things that we absorb in our surroundings. Um, But I was completely detoxed within that 21 days on a very deep level. And I had a lot of clarity, Um, but, but my body looked like it was really sick and I was very, very bony. Um, I'm about five, six and a half and being, and I'm not a very big bone person, but um under a hundred pounds, you look ill. And I remember people staring at me in the airport and I felt body shame for the first time in my life. Not because I felt I was overweight, but because I felt like I was too underweight and very sick looking. And I remember thinking like, I want to tell these people like I don't have cancer. I don't have any eating disorder. Um, And it was hard to own it. It was so hard to own it. And when I went back into community, 
it took me a while. I didn't leave my house for quite some time because I didn't want anybody to see me um, because I thought that they would be worried about me if they didn't know what I went through. And um, yeah, and the contract is you are not supposed to tell anybody that, that you're going um, and what you did. So that part, and I remember my, my daughter looking at me and her eyes, she had this horrific look on her face the first moments that she saw me. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I kept that to myself. And about two weeks later, um, I was still very underweight, but I looked healthier. And that's when I started to immerse myself back into community. But I kept it a secret from most people. <laughs> <laughs> That just seems like it's got to be like worse than trying to keep a a Christmas present a secret. Just (laughs) especially when it's something that speaks so uh, so directly and so close to your identity, and you're just on this emotional and spiritual high, uh, having just completed this. That's got to be wow. That's got to be like almost skin crawling level of excitement. (laughs) Yes, and I would say that. The closest people to me knew, um, you know, immediate family members and my my dear friend, Jamie, my sister, um, Jamie, I call her my sister, but she's not my biological sister. And I do have biological sisters and I'm the oldest, was the oldest of five and I have a very supportive family. So being able to talk and I was married at the time too, um, with my support team made that transition much easier. Yeah. Um just curious how uh how do you explain to your family and your daughter why you've come back looking so emaciated and looking like you really need a cheeseburger or something? <laughs> well, I was a vegetarian at the time, although I did eat um animals creatures um during my challenge because you we didn't really have plant food, so right. I kind of had to make that choice. Um they all knew why though. They all knew everybody close to me knew about the challenge. So, um, they understood why the weight was lost and, um, did anyone think that maybe had gone too far or kind of question your judgment on it? Or were they just very confident in their uh, knowledge of who you are? Yes. The knowledge of, of who I am and the body is very resilient. Um, so yeah, (laughs) 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 <laughs> and what are so what are your uh some of the some of the takeaways some of the lasting impressions be it uh positive or negative that being on the show uh and being placed in that situation uh, has left you with Ooh, lasting impressions um so much gratitude for the experience because without that experience my life would not have shifted to where it is today and I also have a lot of appreciation for different types of survivors um, real survivors and even though this was a quote-unquote real situation there were medics watching my back Um, but people who have lived through um, war um, entrapment um, cancer, a lot of life threatening Ill- illnesses. Um, these are more true survivors to me 
and gratitude um, and appreciation for the different types of survival that's out there. Mine was just glorified. (laughs) Another takeaway is I didn't realize the impact that my episode or my challenge would have on other people. Um, I'm a kind of a private person. um, And after the episode aired, like um, anybody who's on TV, there's going to be a lot of people that reach out to you. Um, Sometimes it's not great comments. Other times it is, but most of the, feedback and outreach to me was all very positive and um, stories from people in a hospital watching my episode. Oh, if if she can survive that, then I can survive what I'm going through in the hospital and um, inspiration for, for women and moms and young women. So that part was this really neat um, aspect of, this playing this piece or, or, or being this inspiration for other people. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I was definitely going to say, uh, you know, th- this is definitely going to be one of those, especially this, uh, this day and age, a very powerful and potent uh, feminist statement to be making of, yes, I'm woman, but I'm just as tough as anyone else. And I can do this and to be out there for 21 days and, <clears throat> And and you know, yourself as well as uh, the other uh, female con- uh, contestants that have uh, taken on this uh, particular challenge. That's got to be uh, huge, hugely inspiring, especially with you know, everything that we've seen in the last few years since uh, oh, everything long before the Trump election, and <laughs> all this other uh, toxic masculinity that's been out there. Yes. And I kind of feel like with, with my challenge, I'm kind of known as the, the girl with all the bug bites, even though a lot of us get bitten. Um, I had over 2000 bug bites at any given time and my body was completely covered except for my face, the palms of my hands, the bottom of my feet and between my legs, because they grew out my pubic hair. It is there for a reason. And I cannot tell you how grateful I am that I that. <laughs> because other women who've been on the show and decide to shave everything um, does not work so well for us. Oh, no. <laughs> we have hair in certain places for a reason. But <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I suppose I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. Body hair can but, save lives. Yeah, it can. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's there for a reason. Go with it. <laughs> Um, but yes, like even just being that, that role model of being, and I was also cast as like the dirty hippie earth mama. Um, so I didn't go out there with the painted toenails or the, the cute dress or done up hair. Right. Um, So everyone knew that you were there for business. (laughs) I didn't even have on makeup (laughs) when we started filming. So, and I think I like brushed or washed my hair maybe like once the entire time (laughs) with, you know, like your fingers. Um, Yeah. And I just let my body go into whatever it did. And I didn't care what I looked like. And I was just me. (laughs) Wow, that, that's that's gonna be absolutely personally empowering to just be able to do do what you want to do. 
Now, so I, I take it that you're definitely stronger from this experience, but be, being so in tune with the outdoors already, like how do you how do you feel that this has in, uh, increased uh, uh, the strength that you uh, the strength and resiliency that you have? Yes. Um, so the challenge paved this way for me. Um, and I mean, by, by this way, this pathway, the regrounding and the recentering, the skin to skin contact laying upon mother earth day after day, reset my body, mind, and my soul. And this is the practice that our ancestors did right many 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 multiple generations back and in our lives we start separating and in modern life we started separating ourselves from the earth wearing um shoes living in buildings traveling in car instead of commuting with mother earth and this challenge reset me um she healed me and she healed me to the point that when I came back from that challenge, about two weeks later, that's about the time where I started to gain a little weight and feel a little bit better in my body. Um, I experienced a very powerful spiritual awakening. And I had no idea when it started that that's what it was. To me, a spiritual awakening was foo-foo. I was not spiritual before. I mean, I grew up in a church, um, had a bit of a Christian background. I knew what yoga was. I did some yoga meddled with some crystals, communed with Mother Nature in other ways. Um, but I started to feel this overwhelming sense of bliss and happiness. And I was crying every single day because I knew my place in the universe. I didn't know what my purpose was yet or what my future was going to look like. But it was like this massive download. And I remember being so drawn to meditation and I'd never meditated before, not once. I mean, I've sat on the earth and closed my eyes and looked up perspectives, um, but I didn't really know what meditation was. And I started meditating, not knowing what I was doing, but I would just sit and be with my thoughts and send out gratitude. And then I um, reached out to a friend of mine, my friend Jamie, that I mentioned earlier, who knew about my journey. And I Jamie, I called her up. I'm like, this is what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And she's like, it sounds like you're having a spiritual awakening. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> this is something you read in a book or see in a movie. So what do you do these days when you want to learn about something? You type spiritual awakening into the Google. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, and I just started reading. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is what's happening. And for me, it lasted about two weeks and everybody's journey is different. Um, but I knew that I, I, I had been reset to who I truly was meant to be and why I was put on this earth. And part of that, um, was the knowledge and what I felt inside. I had to sever my relationship because I was in a very unhealthy marriage. And even though that was very sad, it was also very liberating at the same time, um, because I knew that my old life was really going to open up into this pathway and, um, I was talking with another friend of mine, um, about this and they mentioned, have you ever heard of Tantra? I'm like, no, I've never heard of Tantra. What's that? Oh, it's meditation. It's sexuality and energy movement. It sounds like it might be something 
that could actually save your marriage because they were coming from this point of, oh, you might divorce your husband. Let's try and save your marriage. And I knew it wasn't going to save my marriage, but I knew it really might help me in my journey. Um, so I was introduced to Tantra and diving deep into all of these different practices. Um, I felt that self-empowerment that, um, was, that was within me. And so I started to explore and some amazing things came about <laughs> nice. with that. Yes. So from your connection with nature, you've been able to more uh, quickly and readily recognize uh, the, uh, the truths that are uh, still hidden out there for us to discover. Yes. And all of these answers are within us already. It's do we give ourselves time to really recenter and to reground and to come from a more authentic place to be able to listen and to receive this information. I think it's a, I, I definitely agree that it's a matter of give, allowing ourselves time. I also think it's a, really a matter of acknowledging personal uh, like self-worth to yeah. allow yourself to have uh, that free spirit and just emotional bliss. Yes. And sometimes we might be presented with the information, but then do we trust it? And do fears hold us back from acting on it? So that right. piece that you were talking about, yeah. That, yeah. that self-empowerment confidence piece plays into it. Yeah. Especially you know, when we go from you know, the, the inner struggle of listening to uh, both our heart and our mind speak because our heart will usually lead us down the road of our passions. And then every now and then our mind, our ego steps in and gives us that little, that little edge of doubt that uh, causes us to maybe rethink something that we probably ought not to like gives us that self doubt of uh, not being uh, not not being the type for uh, that kind of connection or not being worthy of such, uh, such connection. Yes, very true. And I probably would have felt that way um, before the challenge. So, and uh, so trying to uh, fill in a little timeline, uh, when you, uh, uh, when you uh, record this, uh, uh, this show, you were at that time in a, uh, in a toxic marriage. Yes. And so, so part of the empowerment that you experienced helped you come back and to make the changes that you were, uh, kind of reluctant on making in life. Would that be yes. inaccurate? Okay. And I knew it would happen eventually. Um, but that confidence piece of reassurance, like, no, this needs to happen now. Um, I had, I would say I had the, the biggest impact versus putting it off or hoping that things would change. Um, and, in and both of us, not just one or the other. Um, it was, it takes two. <laughs> And, oh, and, and part of the tool is um, part of the two is also your self ownership and and what you um, bring or hurt the relationship too. And 
yeah, that's another topic. I imagine you know, having three weeks out in nature that really gives you that time to be introspective and recognize within yourself the things that you need to repair, uh, not just for uh, yourself personally, but for uh, your immediate surroundings. Yeah, you know, I didn't really think about anything outside of where I was from moment to moment. Um, I was very well supported by my husband at the time and him saying, you know, don't worry about anything out here. It's covered. You take care of yourself, which was actually kind of a rare statement. Um, And just hearing him say that um, really put me at ease to give myself permission um, to not worry. There was a little bit of worry about a couple of things um, that I'll keep confidential, but overall that gave me that permission to be in that space. So wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a, uh, a book that was written by uh, Ram Das that actually kind of seems like it's uh, uh almost like a guide to how you've been uh, describing uh, your experience. Uh, uh, he wrote this book, it's called uh, be here now. Mm-hmm. And that just definitely sounds like something that you've been actively embodying. Yes. And it's something that I, I at times still have to remind myself. Um, but I have a lot of experience over the last, I filmed in 2015, so a little over four years ago, um, and understanding what that really feels like. And I know when I'm off, and luckily I can shift back into that. Wonderful. So I've got to ask, now that you're not fighting for survival on a, on a small <laughs> island. <laughs> what are, uh, what are you doing with yourself these days? I, I know you said you're still, uh, you're doing the, uh, uh the caretaking of the 1800 acres there, but, uh, yes. what, what else are you filling your time with these days? What new adventures are you taking on? Well, um, soon after I was introduced to Tantra, I knew that that was my calling and I immersed myself into the practice and studied with, with many different people. And a year after my challenge, I went through um, a month-long immersion program in Thailand to get a teacher's certification through Tribal Tantra. And I've been teaching Tantra ever since. But the really awesome gift that I bring to Tantra is that Uh, Most of my Tantra offerings are earth-based. So we're outside, we're camping, we're communing with nature. We are understanding what that earthing piece feels like and how we can bring that to not only heal ourselves, but bring more awareness, um, self-empowerment, and centered energy to ourselves. And then how do we share that with others? And what other journeys am I taking? Um... And I teach Tantra actually through naked earth Tantra is, um, is what's been birthed from that. And other journeys, I travel a lot and I'm also a rock hound. So <laughs> um, <laughs> collecting rocks and crystals, um, 
backpacking and my daughter is 21 years old now so that's really fun as she's entering adulthood awesome (laughs) um and yeah it's it's a great life and to live on the acreage that i do like there's enough to do here (laughs) (laughs) oh i believe it not only in work but just exploration and yeah it's it's so peaceful. Oh yeah. It, about uh oh probably about sixteen years ago was the last time I was down in Uray, Colorado, and I was just blown away with it. I spent a week out there and just at the time of my life. And then I've just been in northern Colorado and the rest of the country ever since. <laughs> but it, I, I do recall how just how beautiful it is out there and especially as you're going through uh, all the valleys uh, and in between mountain peaks just such an a such a gorgeous area it is and there's so much i mean you can live here a lifetime and not see everything it's incredible and the hot springs are amazing um (laughs) there's orvis hot springs just down the road for me which is a great hot springs but i have to say i do fancy um valley view hot springs much more (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you can find me there as well (laughs) (laughs) And I'm also a naturist, so living on 1,000 plus acres gives you a chance to be naked outside. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there is it, 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 that is probably one of the most liberating experiences I've ever had here in Colorado is just being out in the middle of nowhere, hiking around, buck naked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Gotta hope that there aren't any campers also doing some wilderness camping, but you know, usually affairs all right. <laughs> And did you know that um, national, it might even be like International Hiking Naked Day is the summer solstice every year, June 20th? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was actually, uh, two years ago, I was actually going to go out to a canyon system up here in northern Colorado. Um, Fortunately, my vehicle did not like the uh, road conditions. (laughs) (laughs) Was not, uh, not a fan of being a mountain, uh, mountain car. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, that's that's definitely a, it, it's definitely one of those liberating things to get out and do. And but uh, no, there, there's uh, there's some amazing hikes, and uh, especially for the gem uh, for the gem collecting, I love going up to uh, uh, Mount Quandry uh, down mm-hmm. there by the Collegiate Peaks, and uh, right up there near the uh, right up there just above Timberline, there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, gem fields that you can just walk right up to and just uh, do your own uh, do, do a little bit of harvesting it's a gorgeous a, gorgeous area it is pretty up there um I, when i used to live between fair play and buena vista um I've, I've had really good times up near quandary and mount um, princeton hot springs mount, yeah mount princeton and um oh my gosh what are the three peaks right outside of alma Oh, Lincoln Democrat and Brass. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. (laughs) And then the false beat Cameron that everybody still counts as a 14er. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Yeah. There's that's such a beautiful area of the state. Oh, man. Now, now, now I've got to go hiking. (laughs) (laughs) 
Summer's almost here. I know. I, I, I've, I've been waiting. I've been waiting months for just like the ideal, like sixty-five to seventy-three degree day up in the mountains, just so I can go get lost for a few hours. Uh, yes. <laughs> Thank you for uh, coming on, uh, sharing your story with uh, your experience on uh, Naked and Afraid. That's that, that's absolutely amazing, and I look forward to uh, talking again. You're welcome, and I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share um, a part of the story that wasn't aired in the episode or that's shared through Discovery. And I want to say that a lot of the cast members, we've had some amazing experiences that um, that aren't shared through through the episode and. Um, picked up by social media because we've each had our own unique awakenings on, on many different levels. So it's an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Anytime. I'm glad we were able to connect you with not just, uh, not, not just fans of your uh, episode series there, but as well as just fans of the story of empowerment. It's phenomenal and it definitely gives uh, more and more people something, uh, something more tangible to connect to. Yes. Well, awesome. Have a lovely day, Tara. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Josh. All right. Mm, bye. Bye-bye. That was Season 5 Survivalist, Tara Scabella. If you enjoyed what you hear, like and listen to us on your favorite podcasting app, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Everyday People, Everyday Minds, or on Twitter at Minds underscore People. You can also email us at EverydayPeople, EverydayMinds at gmail.com. If you have any questions, topics, or feedback that you would like to share, feel free to constructively comment or message us. Our show is funded through continued listener support. And always, thanks for listening.